Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hello, Satellite Sisters and Misters. Join us on Sunday, April 11th, for a very special Satellite Sisters virtual event to celebrate 20 years of sisterhood. All five sisters, Julie, Liz, Leanne, Monica, and Sheila, will share stories and recollections. There'll be an interactive audience quiz, Q&A, and lots of laughs, and probably a few tears because this is Satellite Sisters. <laughs> Thanks to our friends at Sixth and I for hosting this event. For more information and tickets, visit SatelliteSisters.com and click on the awesome celebration graphic right there on the homepage. Okay, let's do this together, sisters. Three, two, one. Bring, Bring your, your Satellite, satellite Sisters. Sister. <laughs> and we'll, we'll see you see there. You there. <laughs> You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a satellite sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. We're happy to be with you today. I'm Leanne Dolan in Los Angeles. I'm a writer and producer, and we're waiting for rain here in LA. It's huge. It's a huge story. <laughs> waiting for rain. <laughs> I love it. Liz, what's uh, happening with you? Wow, storm watch. How would I know? I haven't left the house in months. So, you know, it doesn't matter to me if it rains. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm the middle sister. I'm in Santa Monica, California, in, uh, in my second bedroom here. Uh, very excited to be with you guys today. It's always such a pleasure to get together and record this show. Julie? Well, Liz, that sounds really cheery and perky. I'm working on it. (laughs) Okay, I like it. This is Julie Dolan. I'm the oldest sister. I'm in Dallas, Texas. It's the land of masks and no masks here, but (laughs) I'm wearing a mask uh, and most places are wearing masks. So that's all you need to know. And I'm just, as, as my two sisters say, we're very happy to be with you today. All right, we have a super fun show today. Um, first of all, we have a last minute guest, but we are happy to have Marlo Thomas on Satellite Sisters. Liz, the pitch came in to you and you and Julie were on it because on she, it. She, on is it. That, she is that girl to you too, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> Julie, yes. you were too young to remember that girl, but like mom loved that girl. We loved that girl. And remember, she would let us watch that girl, even though we weren't even allowed to like have 17 magazine in the house. No, you know? right. <laughs> but, but that girl really was very modern and feminist and forward looking. And but it was fantastic. Edna Dolan loved it. We loved it. And Marla Thomas's character, Anne Marie, she was the best, wasn't she, Jewel? I loved her. She really was an inspiration to me. When I think of myself as an independent woman, there's a part of that girl in me. But yeah. that's not what we're talking about tomorrow. No, 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 no. no. She has a she has a whole new thing, Liz. Guess what? She's a podcaster. Oh. Yes, she's a podcaster, but a really important subject. Yes. So a little bit more on that coming up. 
Okay. Also, and then just second, well, barely second to that, we are going to talk about the big interview with Harry and Meghan and Oprah. Uh, that's going to be at the end of the show. We all watched it and mm -hmm. uh, there were some bombshells and we have some thoughts on it. Uh, mm -hmm. Julie, you're going to, you're, you've led our royalty desk for a long time, <laughs> satellite sisters. <laughs> so you're going to kick off the opinions just so you know that, but, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, we have a lot to say on that. Um, and then what else do we have? Well, that's it. Pretty that's much. It. We have, that's it. That's because it's it. just, yeah, that's, we got Marlo and we got Megan. That's all we need. Uh, <laughs> that's a full first, show. Liz, what's up with you this week? Well, you know, I've been uh, talking about my little victories every day since, you know, I broke my knee and my leg at the end of December. I'm working, working, working on the rehab. So every day I try to just like find something to be happy about or some kind of accomplishment. This week's little victory sisters rehab haircut i i actually oh my gosh i went right. out Liz. yes i it, just you know my hair it was it was covid hair anyway right and then it's unwashed covid hair because yeah. you i can't get in and out of the shower on my own and so last week after i fixed after i put my microwave back in the kitchen which was a huge victory <laughs> uh, I just decided, okay, I'm going to take an outing and get my hair cut. And my friend Mary came over on Sunday, the hair salon where I get my hair cut, Star. She's the only one that works on Sunday. So I knew I would be on the only one there. So that was great. I put on real pants. As I was getting dressed, I thought, oh, well, I can even put on real clothes if I'm leaving the house. Anyway, I, I, got, I cut most of my hair off. I decided to just go super short. Why not? My role model was... Kristen Wig. I gave her a picture. Oh. You know Kristen Wig's cute short haircut. Yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. Liz. All so, right. So that's what I went for. She said, "Well, mm, you've got that huge cowlick in the middle of your forehead, which which <laughs> Kristen Wig does not have." Anyway, <laughs> close enough to Kristen Wig. So that is my little victory. Okay, but that is wonderful. I'm sorry she burst your bubble about <laughs> the, the cowlick. But I know. I it's, know. I, I, there is something so psychological about getting your hair cut and making yes. it better. So I'm really happy for you. Yes. Thank great. you. Thank you. Good. Well, I had a huge week, a huge week. I, now, sisters, I, I try not to mention it too much, but you know, I am vaccinated. I, both doses, you know, um, I did that in February. So this week I did three things that I have not done in over a year. First of all, I got on a plane. Okay. Remember, Ew, those, wow. things? Remember wow. those things? And I have to tell you, I was completely out of shape. I was fumbling at TSA. Uh, now, now, you know, I'm a global traveler. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was like fumbling around with, oh, you need my ID. Oh, okay. Okay. Flummoxed by long-term parking. You know, just even thinking about like, oh yeah, we have to drive to the, oh, to get to the airport, oh, you know, all of that. So, and the other thing I could not believe when I was in my seat with my mask on, I was shocked, Liz and Leanne, about how fast the plane goes on takeoff. I was really, <laughs> air travel. Okay, that's weird. weird. <laughs> I was grizzled. That is weird. I know. It was, okay, it was like the first time all over again. That's all I can say. So I know you're, oh. you know, you're going to get those vaccines. You're going to get on a plane again. But just um, just hold on tight when the plane takes off. Okay. <laughs> okay. Second thing, I, and I was like giddy over this. I went out to dinner. Okay, I went out to a restaurant. I sat indoors, indoors at a restaurant. I mean, it was there was plenty of spacing. 
Um, but here's, and I tried to like, not be like, you know, try to be, I tried to be really cool about it because particularly with the QR codes for the menu, do you know this, mm -hmm. that there yeah, are yes. no menus in restaurants? Well, I, you know, I, I really wasn't too experienced on the, you know, how you, you take a picture of the QR code and then you get the menu, but I, but I just- I'm laughing just thinking about <laughs> you, trying, you attempting this with, with love in my be, heart, but yeah, you were not going to be cool be really about that. Cool. I tried yeah. to be really cool with the QR codes. So, and I just enjoyed every second of that meal out. It, that going out to dinner is a fantastic thing. And we, we just, that, I just, that was wonderful, but the, the main thing that was really, really great was I got to visit a friend. Now, this is a friend that I have traveled with all over the world. And sadly, she lost her husband of 32 years in October. Wow. Uh, he didn't die of COVID, but he did get COVID, which made the last three months of his life just terrible. Um, and so like so many other families and friends, you know, all across the country, the world, I didn't get to go to the funeral. I didn't get to be with my friend as she was grieving the loss of her husband. So this was a time where, where um, my husband and I were visiting her. And it was, you know, I, I can just tell you what a difficult transition it is for someone who's been married for so long to the new role of widowhood. And Liz and Leon, it reminded me a lot of one of the very first interviews we did on Satellite Sisters. Way back in the days, we didn't really know anyone famous. People like Marla Thomas didn't call up and say, hey, you know, we want to be on Satellite Sisters. <laughs> but Liz knew Jill Kerr Conway um, because mm -hmm. she happened to be on the Nike board where Liz used to work. And I knew of her because she was the first female president of Smith College. She was an American history scholar and she's the author of Road to Corain. But when we had her on the show, she talked about widowhood. And the, here is this wildly accomplished woman just talking about what a difficult transition that was for her, you know, after having a long-term relationship with her husband to find herself making her way in the world by herself. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's- Yeah, I had forgotten about that, Julie. Yeah, we were so surprised that that was something that she really wanted to talk about and focus on is what a huge transition that was for her. Yeah, so I was just really glad, you know, so yes, the plane ride was nice, dinner was delightful, but to really spend time with a friend who needed a friend was, um, you know, was really, such a special treat and of course she had been vaccinated so um it was, it was oh she must have been so happy to see you yes yes we were you know it was really a quite a nice reunion and you know i think that's the great hope of the vaccine and um that more people will get to be able to reunite with their family and friends in the coming months so so big week here that's all i can say was it a little weird to be out in the world you know, uh, no, Liam. Do you have you any know, anxiety it, it, over it? No, actually, that's that is the um, the big thing about having the vaccine is all that anxiety about being with other, you know, around other people. You're a lot more relaxed. I mean, okay. obviously, we're very careful. We wore masks in public. Right. And, mm -hmm. You know, we're still washing our hands like crazy and all of that. Um, uh, but you just are not as worried as as you were before. It is a great sense of relief and, you know, a calm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm That's glad great. to hear that.
And I'm taking it as my Lenten challenge not to be bitter over the vaccinated. So <laughs> I feel like I'm doing a good job. It's ambitious, Leon. <laughs> I have my own moments. <laughs> All vaccinations are good vaccinations. That is my... That's my personal motto. Uh, all right. Well, this week for me, it was International Women's Day yesterday. And, you know, Julie, you've been talking about International Women's Day for 20 years on satellite. It just, is a big, big day. You know? Big around the world. But we, yeah, we haven't celebrated it much here. But I feel like it's gaining some traction here in America. I'm happy to see that. Aren't you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the, yesterday is also the day that the State Department named the International Women of Courage. And if you've been listening to Satellite Sisters for a while, you're, you know I'm part of an NGO that works with the U.S. Department of State uh, to honor these international women of courage. The State Department vets them. Um, they, uh, they honor them with usually it's a ceremony in D.C. at the State Department. Yesterday, it was a virtual ceremony. And then our organization is able to raise money for them and give them substantial grants so that they can continue their really important work in areas like gender-based violence or human rights or you know peacekeeping processes around the world. Healthcare providers were honored this year, people taking on human rights violations in China and Colombia. You know, it's, it's an astonishing group of women every year that are awarded. And this year, they were also awarded seven posthumous awards to women from Afghanistan. So that was a very moving part of yesterday's ceremony, up early, watching that at state.gov. The Secretary of State, the First Lady was there, and then they had extraordinary introductions by ambassadors from all over the world. So that was great. But for our event this year, usually we do it in person in Los Angeles, and the women come, and Liz, you've been. It's, it's a such a great event. event. It's you know, super and, moving. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have people from the State Department come out, and, uh, and I have been, in my volunteer role, I have been producing and writing the event for about five years now. But this year, it's all virtual. Oh, my gosh. The learning curve for me, you guys. I know I'm the one that says, you have to keep learning new technology. <laughs> Don't get behind. I'm so tired of new technology. I can't, I can't even tell you. I have sat through so many platform meetings. And oh, my <laughs> Gosh, I'm like QR codes. There are there QR codes involved. Yeah, you better, better practice before you have QR codes. I mean, yesterday, Liz, you're going to be impressed. I've like taught myself Canva over the last nice. couple of weeks. Uh, but we're very lucky. Our event is at the end of April, and we have an extraordinary group of producers that have um, volunteered to do. A lot of the work of uh, Pro Bono, which is incredible. They're the team that just produced the CNN uh, doc docuseries Lincoln, and they've done all those series, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. So they're our production team. And Lisa Ling, the journalist, is actually going to be the host of the, the event, our virtual event. And so we're trying to figure out how to interview these women all over the world in different time zones and get her in and out in less than two hours. So it's a production challenge. I know everything about shooting for, with two iPhones and shooting through Zoom and shooting on a green screen. Whew, I, learning curve is strong. Very busy, <laughs> but I am happy to do it because these women are extraordinary. And just when you start to complain, like, wah, I have to learn Canva, uh, you know, then... <laughs> And you see, like that one of the women from Belarus was just put back in jail yesterday. Uh, I'm like, okay, well, I can suck it up and learn Canva. You know, yeah, if she can yeah. do that, I can do that. So they'll all put um, links to the Women of Courage bios so you can see them. And then our event is at the end of April. It's a ticketed event, but if anyone's interested, eventually I'll put the ticket link up too. Oh, good. That's it. It's just International Women's Day. Just celebrating every minute.
Okay. All right. Well, I actually have a little International Women's Day announcement, but it's about me, which is a little embarrassing. But I just thought I'd mention it because, you know, it's like out there on the internet. So um, yesterday on International Women's Day, the um, I, I was added to the board of the uh, World Athletic Championships, which is coming to Oregon in the summer of 22. So I'll be serving on the board of board of directors. They added two women to the board yesterday, me, just plain old me. The other one, which is what is so cool, is Sonia Richards-Ross. So you may not know her. You've seen her, believe me, you've seen her on the Olympics covering yeah. track and field, but she is, she is a seven-time world champion. Yeah. Uh, she held the fastest 400 meter time in North America for 10 years, sisters. Wow. You know, She's active on the track, off the track. She's an amazing woman, and that will be fun to work with her. Uh, also, is, the board- You're a champion, and you're fast, too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Don't put yourself down. Don't put yourself in the corner, Liz. Yeah, Thank you, you talk fast, you, Liz. You're a fast talker. talk fast. <laughs> you're a fast talker, Liz. Yeah, no, it'll be great. It'll be a really great event, and I'm very excited to be working on it. But also, World Athletics has this larger program about gender equality in track and field and in sport overall. So they're working on all of these elements of gender equality. So it will be satisfying and fun to be able to work on that. Anyway, so if you saw that announcement yesterday, that's what that is. I'm very psyched and very honored. It's going to be great. Oh, Liz, I'm excited. That's great. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank um, you. Yeah, it was impressive. I happened to just see the announcement out in the wild. I didn't even know it was coming. I was you like, didn't send one to your sibling. No, I did not. Yeah, you didn't send that around. Well, you know, I, yeah, that We're seemed tired really. of Liz. We're tired of Liz's accomplishments. <laughs> Okay, well, speaking of accomplishments, let's move on to a wildly accomplished woman. As we mentioned at the top of the show, we are going to be talking in the next segment to the wonderful Marlo Thomas. Now, sisters, did you know that Marlo Thomas has won four Emmys, the Peabody, a Golden Globe, a Grammy, and the Presidential Medal, Medal of Freedom? Did you oh, know that? I didn't know the Presidential Medal of yeah, Freedom. Well-deserved. Wow. Well-deserved. She got that from Barack Obama in 2014. Anyway, so this week, she and her husband of 40 years, you may have heard of him, Phil Donahue, uh, she and her husband, Phil Donahue, launched a brand new podcast called Double Date. And it's great. We've listened to some of the early episodes on Double Date. They visit couples in their own homes, and they talk about the secret of long marriages and trying to uncover what they call the secret sauce. And, you know, it's also the first time that Marlo and Phil have worked together and they open up about their own marriage. It's Ooh. fascinating, isn't it, Julie? I, it really is. I mean, I was surprised they'd never worked together. And yeah. it's just very candid about, yeah. about relationships uh, yes. in a very positive way. I mean, how about that? Yeah. So she's going to tell us all about Double Date coming up next. But first, we'd like to thank a couple of sponsors. Liz, summer is coming up, and you know what that means? It means you're grilling. You're grilling and chilling sure. there yes. with, your, with your butcher box. What, what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in, in Bend for a part of the summer, yeah. I'm having my box sent there, Leanne. That's I mean, great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is what uh, what. Uh, what I'm recommending. Yeah, either way, you're just going to buy meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, you know, I love their steaks. I love their scallops. The scallops are really good. And the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. 
That's right. ButcherBox gives you peace of mind and easy-to-find high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork that's raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood, no antibiotics or added hormones. And as Liz said, delivered right to your doorstep. And you can customize that delivery plan, Liz, right? Because it can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go. If you want to delay it a week, you know, speed it up a week, you just go to your ButcherBox account and you can make that all happen. It's so easy to manage online. Yeah. And if you're like Liz, you can take your ButcherBox on vacation, which is... That's nice. That's nice. Nice to have something familiar there. (laughs) Yes. So if you want to take your meat on vacation, sign up at butcherbox.com slash sisters and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional 20% off. So you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code sisters to choose your free for year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. We are so delighted to welcome solid gold satellite sister Marlo Thomas to the podcast. You know, there are many things we could dig into with Marlo Thomas. She has contributed so much to our entertainment lives and to the cultural conversation. But today's topic is long-term marriages. Marlo, I want to confess at the top, this is a topic I literally know nothing about. I have, I have never been married myself, but I want to assure you that my sister Julie has been married 42 years, and Leon has been married 28 years, so, so don't worry. And welcome to Satellite Sisters. <laughs> at least that made your parents happy. Something <laughs> got married, right? Yes. yes. Luckily, there are eight kids in the family, five girls and three boys, and most people ended up married. So yeah, they were fine. Okay. Okay. So this is a whole new project for you. Why did you and your husband, Phil Donahue, decide that long-term marriages would be a good topic for a podcast? Well, because we've seen a lot of marriages fall apart, uh, friends of ours. And then we've got a lot of friends who've been married a long time, like Alan Alda's been married 60 years to Arlene Alda. Uh, so it was like, we sort of asked ourselves, so what's the secret sauce? Because everybody's always asking me and Phil, how are you made it? I mean, two sort of show business people, 40 years married, how did you do it? And we've always said we didn't know, but we figured if we went out and went on a double date with a lot of different couples who've been married a while, we might be able to figure it out. And what's great about a double date, that's why we called it a double date, is everybody talks. Mm-hmm. Everybody remembers stories and what they remember one about jealousy, then we remember one about jealousy. And you start to learn from it, really. I mean, I think it's made our marriage better to interview. We interviewed 40 couples. Wow. 20 are in the first season of the podcast. That's so great. And yeah, I mean, people like Michael J. Fox and uh, Brian Cranston and Ray Romano and Sting and Trudy, just really fabulous people. Viola Davis and her husband, Julie, just are on this week. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, they're on this week, Julius Tenen. Uh, they're a great couple. And she's That is a, really a fun episode. Yeah, we have listened to that. Yeah, isn't it great? Yeah, it's great. She says, I love when she says, your marriage does not begin when you walk down the aisle. Mm-hmm. Your marriage begins oh, right. across the table. And you're, got, you're looking at your spouse and they're doing something that you really hate and you think you'll never be able to deal with it. <laughs> right. and you say to yourself, all right, I love him. I'm going to put up with it. And that is a big thing that we learned Yeah, uh, that we didn't put our finger on before, that accommodation 
is what makes a marriage mm -hmm. work also mm -hmm. because you're not the same person you know and no matter how i try i can never turn phil into me and he can never turn <laughs> me into him. So, that's, so that's such a good thing battling something a good right? insight <laughs> yeah really but it took well, a lot i know you're that's got to be a married person who's laughing yes <laughs> I, i've tried so hard oh i tried so hard to make him me and he the same he's tried hard to make exactly. me him and it ain't gonna happen so the thing is is you gotta say hey i didn't fall in love with him because he was me i fell in love with him because he was him and yeah. vice versa so we have to work on accommodating those differences and phil and i I mean, really couldn't be more di different. And, and, and if we did a personality test, you would not put us together. Mm -hmm. If you saw us together and you saw how we are together, you would think we were a, a cute couple. But on paper, <laughs> we don't work because he's very laid back and I'm very assertive. So my solution to everything is to jump for the phone and find a solution. His solution for everything is to just sit and think about it for maybe a day or maybe 12 days and before he's going to act. And that just drives me crazy. And it drives him crazy that I move so quickly. So that was an interesting thing for us to figure out as we did this project, because we never worked together before and we never wanted to work together <laughs> before. Because honestly, we didn't, fig we didn't think we'd make it. We thought we'd kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it is interesting. It is interesting, Marlo, that you share a lot of insights about your own marriage in this series, too. It's not just about the couples you're talking to. And there's one point, this was a laugh out loud moment for me. This is Liz. Um, at one point, he says about you that he had to turn to you and say, stop producing me. Right. <laughs> like that's, so when you say you're a doer. So right. when he said that to you, was that like, was that a surprise to you in the moment? Like, oh, yeah, okay, Absolutely. need to back off. It completely stunned me. Huh. And, and, and I'll tell you this, that was like 10 years into our marriage. <laughs> you know, it wasn't the, the second day after the wedding. It was one day, he said, I have to tell you something. To tell you the truth, I don't even remember what the hell it was. It was 30 years ago. But he said, I want to tell you something. And I don't want you to say anything. And I don't want you to do anything. Can you just sit there while I tell you this? And I said, sure. Yeah, I thought. Mm -hmm. So he started talking, and, and within minutes, I was saying, well, he said, I don't want any advice. I don't want <laughs> right. anything from you. I just want you to hear this. So then he tells me the whole thing, and, and I'm thinking to myself, uh, and he said to me, when he got all through, he said, now, I'd like to talk to you about it, but I don't want you to give me any advice, and I don't want you to go to the phone. Can you do that? And... I'll tell you, phone. I'll tell you that I know, cause that's what I'm, I mean, I'm going right. I mean, if you guys tell me a problem right now, I'm on the phone before we get off this call. So, so I, I did something bad. I will tell you. And I admit it to him, but, uh, but I had to learn. I said, I wouldn't. And I, and I did make a call. Hmm. And after I made the call and, you know, to, to help the situation, I felt guilty about it. And I told him, and I said, I, I did call somebody about that. And he said, okay, I'm glad you told me. Does that mean you got it now? The fact that you're confessing it? I said, yeah, I do. I realized that it's counter to my personality and I have to not work behind the scenes. If you tell me, it, and Rob Reiner said an interesting thing. We, we talked about this in our interview with Rob and Michelle Reiner. And he said, you just want to make things better. But making things better for him 
is you to work opposite from what you usually do. He said, and that's a hard thing to learn because that worked counter to your own instincts. But if you really want to make things better for him, then you have to do what he needs, not what yeah. you need. Yeah. That was a big you lesson. Know, yeah. I, it is, you know, Marlo, this is Julie, and I've been married 42 years. And marriage is a body of work, just as you said. You know, it is, you know, it is these accommodations. And, but it is, at the end of the day, it's, do you view it, do you and Phil view your marriage as a major accomplishment? Uh, because it is a result of a billion little decisions to put a marriage first. Is that how you see it? I, I think so. I don't think we thought so until we started, you know, pulling it apart and looking at everybody else. Yeah. And when somebody else, you know, we've had friends who bicker, you know, and uh, when we interviewed Kelly Ripa and Mark Consuelos, they talked about that too. I like to hang out with couples who like each other. It just it feels <laughs> better, right? Yeah. Like Alan and Arlene Alda, my friend Letty Pogerman and her husband Bert. We have a lot of friends that are really fun to hang out with. Uh, the Robert and, and Michelle Reiner. Uh, they like each other. They're funny. Um, but when you, uh, Kelly and Mark said that they would be in a cab coming home from a dinner at a restaurant with another couple and they would have an argument on the way home. And it took them several times to realize that they were carrying this other couple's energy, this other couple's unhappiness and the habit of somebody, you know, needling their partner. Oh. And, 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 you know, um, my husband told me once that he was at, at a bar, we were at a, at a book party and there was a bar in the restaurant and I was talking to a bunch of people and he was at the bar having a beer with this man who's married and he was, he was complaining about his wife to Phil. And he was saying to us to Phil that she was a real bitch. And Phil said, <laughs> Phil said he didn't know what to do. He said, I think I'm supposed to say that you're one too. I think I'm supposed to like, you know, be one of the boys. Mm -hmm and not like my wife. He said, but I didn't want to do that. And I didn't know what to do. And I, he said, so I just said, you know what, let's just have another beer. You know, he didn't know what to do, but men do that. And women do it too, to, you know, on the side to one of us. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's an uncomfortable, it's uncomfortable because you don't want to hurt your friend's feelings, but you don't want to dish your husband just to make her feel better. So you're sort of stuck. And those are the people that we started to not hang out with yeah. because it didn't make us feel good. And also it puts you in the rut of that, you know? Right. But, um, yeah, sure. Yeah. Hey, Julie, can I ask you, have you and your husband, have you ever been in that situation where you're like dining with the Bickersons and you just yes. decide, you just decide, no, we don't need this in our marriage. Forget about like whether it's a pleasant way to spend dinner or not, like that it has a bad impact on your relationship. Absolutely. I think, and I wanted to ask you this, Marlo, double dates can be tricky, right? I mean, sometimes the wives are really good friends or, and they just drag along the husbands and the husbands have nothing in common or vice versa. Mm -hmm. uh, but on your podcast, how do you get all four partners to engage in such a live and share in such a lively way? Well, you know, I, I think from the invitation, you know, it was, We'd love to have a double date with you guys. And our, and our topic is what makes a marriage last. Now that either appeals to you or it doesn't. And it doesn't, <laughs> and it doesn't appeal to everybody. I mean, I don't want to, you know, throw anybody on the bus, but there were a couple of couples who said, ah, oh, I'd rather die than do that. <laughs> 
So, uh, and Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedgwick, when I called her, she said, I'd love to do it, but there's no way Kevin is going to do this. So Phil had to talk to Kevin. But when I first had the idea, Phil said to me, well, I'll do it, but I'm not talking about our marriage. But of course, there's no way not to. Because, you know, when, when one person talks about whatever it is, spending too much money, saving money, losing money, losing a job, being rejected from a, a, a job, having a mother-in-law problem, whatever it is, you can't help but say, yeah, you know, I've been there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, or this is what I did when that happened. So it's, uh, I, and I thought it was fun. And it's good to hear their voices. You know, it's, they're so, especially because they're famous, you really do hear the timber of them, you know, that you, and Viola Davis was such a shock to me because First of all, she's a brilliant actress, which we all know. But on those award shows, she's so formidable. I mean, she looks like mm-hmm. yes. she'd eat you for breakfast. That's not <laughs> who she is. She she came to the door in this pretty little white cotton dress. She just is so sweet and so pretty and so completely gentle. Not at all what she looks like on those award shows. And I was so surprised. She's got a heart of gold and... She's very vulnerable. Well, you could see how vulnerable she was. Yeah, yeah. She said something. She said something really interesting uh, that stuck with me. I, I think she was the one that said, "A successful marriage is not fifty-fifty. That's what you think it is. A successful marriage is one hundred, one hundred. Both partners have to be all in all the time. And it seems obvious, but it's sort of a radical way to think about it. Wow, I love that. You know. Uh, a lot of people ask us, what was the theme? Was there one theme with all the couples? And there, when we first were asked that question, we said, well, no, every couple was so different. But then when we thought about it, we thought, you know what the theme really is? Is that people who stay married a long time are never look for the exit sign. Mm-hmm. That no matter what happens, no matter how rough it gets, whether it's Michael J. Fox with a with a lifelong diagnosis, three years into marriage, yeah, uh, Kira Cedric and Kevin Bacon lost all their savings to Bernie Madoff. You know, I oh, didn't even wow. know that. I'm yeah. sure that was in the news. Oh, that was a, that yeah. was a revelation to me. I I was shocked when they told us. You know, and and uh, we we interviewed the, the grand old Reverend Jesse Jackson. He not only had an affair outside of marriage, but he had a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. I mean, how do you come back from that? I said, well, I would have thrown him out. She said, yeah. I did, but he came back. You know, That's so. a rough one. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to think about that one. Yeah, yeah. it's rough. Well, I mean, You're thinking fidelity is the deal breaker, Leanne? Julie and I have always taken a strong, strong yeah. stance on fidelity. We have. <laughs> so, but pretty fundamental. Even, Although, even at a cocktail party, right? <laughs> right. Uh, I you like know, the- Marlo, I wanted to ask with all the couples you talked to, and you've mentioned some of them staying in Trudy Styler or Michael J. Fox and Tracy Pollan. Um, your second episode is Michael, uh, Neil Patrick Harris and David Burka. That's a good one. I listened oh, to the that. Sec- they're third. The second is oh, third. staying. Oh, so, oh, oh, okay. All right. Great. Uh-huh. And then, you know, Rodney and Holly Robinson, Pete, even President Jimmy and Rosalind Carter. So that'll right. be interesting to listen to. But I was they, wondering, so after you and Phil had these double dates, were you ever like in the car going home and thinking, you know, we should try that? That okay. where they said something to you that where you okay. really learned something for your relationship. You're a very smart girl. We did mm-hmm. that almost every time. Mm-hmm. We would say, huh. well, why don't we do that? Like Bob Woodward and Elsa Walsh, 
they say I love you every night before they go to sleep. And I said, uh, it, because you've had an argument during the day, he said, no, it's a way of saying everything in our nest is okay. You know, oh. It's not just that we're not going to bed angry. We're going to bed in a good space. I love you, honey. I yeah. love you. And we do that now. I, that's why I think listening to the podcast is very in, inspiring and reassuring to people that are in uh, long-term relationships. Right. You know, it's like you're honoring that. You're validating that that all this bickering about who's going to take out the garbage is actually right. worth it to work it out, right? Right, right. It, because otherwise, as uh, Rebecca Gupta, Sanjay Gupta's wife said, if you're carrying too much of the load, you'll resent it. Mm -hmm. and she is a marriage therapist or family. Oh, therapist. wow. Oh, yeah. wow. And so she said she's been through a lot of the divorces of these people or their verge of divorce. She said, and she said, and I have seen through all of them that the one theme is resentment. Somebody resents mm -hmm. the other one. Mm -hmm. He doesn't do this and she doesn't do that. And he doesn't carry out the garbage and she doesn't respect this. Or what. She said, resentment is a big one. So, and resentment comes from not telling each other like it exactly. may sound simple that you never put your dishes in the dishwasher but it makes the other person feel uh, uh what's the words abused uh, triggered triggered because i'm feeling triggered <laughs> <laughs> well yeah it's me and my husband phil does not know the meaning of the word hamper and <laughs> crazy um and, and the after 40 years huh still no well, you know what you know what I've done, which is so funny. For several years we had a hamper with a lid on it and everything the clothes were always on top of the hamper. So oh. now it has a basket with no lid. And so now it goes in. It took <laughs> see, me a while to see, figure this it out. This is it. This is the key to marriage, Liz. I mean you've never <laughs> This is the accommodation. This is it. It's like you figure that it's such a breakthrough, like the no lid on the hamper. It, it, it just so pissed me off that he didn't put them in the hamper. And I, I would say to him, just tell me what that symbolizes. Does that mean Ooh. she'll put it in the hamper? Tell me what that means. I said, because uh -huh. it feels exploitive to me. Yeah. I just feel, you know, maybe they're sweating. Maybe they need to get aired out. I said, okay. So then I just took the lid off. No lid, a big basket. I said, have a, have a ball. Nice problem, and big. Problem solved. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, another thing you say, Marlo, is that you think couples lose a certain courteousness over time with each other. Right. So what does that mean? Just taking, taking each other for granted? Or how did, that, how did that show in your own marriage? Is it the hamper well, syndrome? Well, how it showed, and it's interesting, before I got married, and, and I had said in the interview, one of the reasons I didn't want to get married, which may sound simple-minded, uh, is this lack of courtesy. When I was single, and I'd be at a table with husbands and wives because I was always the only single woman. So I get married, I was 40s, 42. So uh, I was smoking at the time and I would go to have a cigarette and the men would fall all over themselves to light my cigarette, right? Where their wives would be searching for a match somewhere in the bottom of their bag. Or it'd, go, it'd be time to put on our coats and, and somebody's husband would help me with my coat while the wife was struggling with her coat. And I thought, what is that about? It's because I'm single. I mean, mm -hmm. he's married to her. Help her with her coat. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I can take care of my own. And I noticed that and it bothered me. And I, when I knew men well enough that I work with, I would say, you know, I just have to tell you this as a little aside. You should be helping your wife with her coat, not helping mm -hmm. you with mine. 
Oh, you, know. you are a good producer. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I am. Well, I think I, I think that's something you, we can help our friends' husbands, you know. Yeah, yeah. All right, now we're going to wrap this up. Sadly, we're near the end. Um, but I have one question that we just had to ask. So, you know, marriage is really a great subject for a podcast because podcasts are so personal and intimate. I want to ask you about a fictional couple, Marlo, because one of our favorite TV shows as kids was That Girl, okay? So Julie and I are old enough that that was, wasn't that, that was like the top hit in our household, right, Joel? That was it. That was that, when you were on, you know, there was nothing else in the world, Marlo. Yeah. Thank you. And our mother, our mother loved it too, which was really key, because generally we were not allowed to watch TV, but we were allowed to watch you in that girl. So your character, Anne-Marie, that was a really groundbreaking character. She was an independent, unmarried young woman trying to make her way in the world. But most importantly, she had the best, cutest boyfriend on TV, Donald Hollinger. So, and when that show wrapped, they were engaged, but not married, right? So I just wanted you to think about this. Looking at them now, how do you think their marriage would have done? Would Anne-Marie and Donald Hollinger have made it? Oh, one would hope. I would hope they would have. <laughs> I must tell you personally, I adored him. Wow. Uh, so if if Donald was as nice as Teddy, uh, we probably would have made it. Yeah, uh, I, he he was a great. He he passed away, but he was a great guy. I had so much fun with him, and I really do think. And I'm not being modest or generous or anything. Half the show was him. I mean, mm -hmm. it really could have been called that girl and that guy. I mean, he was such a big part of it. He was a real guy's guy. He yeah. was fun. He let her get away with a lot of stuff, but you could tell that it's because he was okay about it. He wasn't like uh, run over by her. It was, yeah, yeah. I, I, I loved him. You know, I didn't let her get married at the end because I felt that would be a real betrayal to the girls oh, who watched the show. Yeah. 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 Was a, yeah she, was well, a, she was a very important single woman, Leanne. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and we'd created this single idea and and the uh, sponsors and the network wanted a wedding at the end because it'll get a big rating. And then my producer said, let's have, and I said, no, no, we cannot do that. We cannot say to these girls that you've watched all this all these years and the only happy ending is she marries the prince. We can't do it. So the last show I took Donald to a woman's lib meeting. That was the last show. <laughs> which made, it made nobody happy but me. I was. <laughs> And the audience, oh, my audience loved it. The yeah. mail I got from grandmothers as well as young mothers mm -hmm. saying to me, thanks for not copping out. That's so great. They were just thrilled. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, Edna Dolan approved. Just want you to know. And was, was happy, happy to let you be our role model, Marlo. So, so we're very happy to like have you on the show. This is really kind of a dream come true for us. Yeah, the, the new podcast is great, Double Date. It's out there today on all of the platforms where Satellite Sisters is also available. So if you're listening to this, just look for Double Date right there. That's the way this works. Great. So, That's great. Thank you so much for joining us, Marlo. And please nice give, give our best. Family. Go ahead. I said, it's nice to meet your whole family. Yeah. 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 Great. How fun is that? This is great. And maybe once this is all over, we'll get to meet Phil. Okay. We'll, <laughs> we'll triple date with you and Phil. <laughs> okay. That'd be great. Thanks okay. so much. Guys. Good luck. Thank you. So Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. 
holy cow, do we, we love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day, just look no further than Osea. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from Osea. The moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who bring a touch of something special to your life, aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSISTERS at OSEAMalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? More moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. <laughs> in no their kidding. skin. I mean, really, the creams, the lotions, the oils. I love it all. That duo they have going. Oh. Like, you can't miss with the duo of Osea. Liz, the mega moisture duo. Yes. You can you can literally see your skin get firmer. And it just delivers <laughs> this full body glow. Okay, you know we have raved about the Andaria Algae Body Oil. Mm -hmm. Well, pair that with the Andaria Collagen Body Oil. Youthful, yeah. Liz. A youthful yeah. glow is going to happen. <laughs> and it's a, infused with Osea's signature Andaria seaweed. So it just smells so delicious, doesn't it? I know you're talking about giving it as a gift. I also suggest just giving it to yourself <laughs> because you're worth it. <laughs> that's, that's true. That is absolutely true. Okay, that moisture duo I mentioned too is a great value because you can save 16% plus the extra 10% with our code SAD Sisters. So this is it. This is a win, win, win Mother's Day gift. Spoil the moms in your life with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code SATSisters at OseaMalibu.com. And you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to OseaMalibu.com and use code SATSisters for 10% off. Thanks, Osea. Okay, we're back. First of all, can I just say how great that interview was with Marlo Thomas and why why didn't we put on any makeup today to talk to her? What is wrong with us? I can't believe we talked to that girl with no lipstick on. <laughs> and she looked great. But oh we told her we don't turn our cameras on because it's audio only. But she had her camera on. She looked fab. And so we turned our cameras on so it would be more fun. But you're right. We were not. We looked, we looked well, Liz, you have a new haircut. You look yeah. pretty good. Lee, Leanne, I had not not your best day, and me the worst because I'm in my closet. Right, I'm going to paint my closet, so I've just got boxes all over the place. You know, uh, it was awful. But Marlo yeah. was not judging. Marlo was no, not. She judging. wasn't. She was so happy to see our faces. The yeah, nice she was. Person. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> I just had to laugh. I mean, usually we make some sort of effort, but today. <laughs> Honestly. I mean, we were mentally prepared to talk to her, just totally physically. Yeah. 100% mentally prepared. Yes. Okay. Well, that's the important part. All right. We want to remind you that we are doing a live event, All Five Sisters, on April 11th, 20 Years of Sisterhood. Uh, if you want tickets, it's a ticketed event. It's going to be a virtual event put on by Sixth and I. That's an arts organization and synagogue in Washington, D.C. So they're the platform hosts, and the tickets are available at their website. But the best place to find it is at Satellite Sisters. Sisters.com. Just click on the graphic of all five of us. We had a very strong production meeting yesterday. Wouldn't you say? Like, <laughs> yeah. we're getting ready. Like, we, uh -huh. and we're going to look so good. So we're going to we're going to look as good as we can <laughs> on April 11th. We're, we're rising to the challenge. We have put together a very a tight, fun one-hour show. Little bit of history, little bit of nostalgia, a lot of new things happening. Some 
fun interactive quizzes with the audience, Q&A. I, I feel very strongly about the rundown. I think we did a good job yesterday. So yep, yep, uh, we did. I'm excited about that. So if you're interested, it's Sunday, April 11th. It's at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. The tickets are $12, or you can get the special merch pass. pass package and that's a, a beautiful cashmere um blend pashmina with the word solid gold satellite sisters embroidered on this beautiful creamy white pashmina and then you get a ticket with that and that's 75 dollars plus there's a service fee so that's all at satellitesisters.com just click on the graphic and you'll be taken to the ticketing site um Okay. All right. We got to do it. 17 million people watched uh, mm -hmm. Megan and Harry on Oprah. We were three of those 17 million people. It was a two hour interview the other day, took place in Santa Barbara. Oprah, it was an unpaid interview for Harry and Megan. Uh, theoretically, she could ask anything. Everything was on the table. Uh, so we heard from Megan about what the four years was like when she lived in Buckingham Palace and what it was like before the wedding and after her relationship with the queen, her relationship with her sister-in-law, her relationship with the British press, some very serious mental health issues that she suffered while she was there. We heard from Harry. He came in about halfway through the interview. He talked about the legacy of the treatment of his mother. He talked about his relationship with his father and his brother. And he talked about what their future might hold uh, for them and their children and, and for his role in the family. And I thought it was astonishing, but I want to start with our royal watcher. Julie, this has been your beat for 20 years. So I know, I know. what'd you and, think? What'd you think? Well, first of all, I didn't want to watch it because I really felt like the timing of it, that their problems were out of sync with the reality of the, the suffering that so many people are experiencing right now. And you know, what I've always said on the royal desk is mm -hmm. royalty is ridiculous. You have to. Really. I didn't mm -hmm. feel like this was the right you know, time for some big interview. With that said, I watched it and I was immediately struck with how articulate Megan was. I mean, she was a strong person standing up on important things and not important things. I think for me, the most important things were the issue of racism. Yeah. This mm -hmm. is a modern issue. This is a real issue. This is something that people experience every single day. And, you know, all of a sudden that changed, you know, the calculus of what this um, interview was about. For me, mm -hmm. you know, I mm -hmm. felt that was really important. Uh, I think some of the other things were less, were, were not as important. I mean, you know, she seemed incredibly naive about about marrying Harry or what it was going to be like to be part of the royal family. But, um, you know, and that I, you know, I was really reluctant that she, you know, I know she sort of called Kate out uh, and, and I just about, you know, uh, flower girl dresses. That did not seem important. But the issue of racism, I felt was really an important one. The treatment that she has faced in the media, I, I thought, is extreme. I mean, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people say, well, couldn't they just retire to some English, some country, English countryside? Uh, I don't think that was possible for, mm -hmm. um, for Meghan and Harry. I think that she was, a, as we said early on, they were going to be global citizens. There was going to be enormous uh, interest in everything she did. Um, I don't know whether addressing her, you know, these issues in a public interview 
you know, I think they felt like they must have felt like this was all they had left, that they had mm -hmm. tried to address these issues internally um, uh, with with her family members and with the institution of the crown. Um, but I, I think it is a serious. So ultimately, I, I, you know, I was very impressed with the interview. I was impressed with Meghan and Harry. And I think the issue of racism is is so serious that um, it, it changed the yeah. calculus. Yeah. yeah. The same with the mental health issues too. Uh, absolutely. Yes. You know, yeah. that, that she was so forthright about that. I found that really surprising that she was, you know, um, really that she felt that way as severely as she did. And that's something that, you know, Harry has gone through before himself. He talks a lot about mental health issues. So I thought, I thought that was very interesting and it was, it was good that she really put it all out there uh, in the way that she did. You know, I feel like when I watched it, I realized how American I am in many ways, mm -hmm. because I don't feel any loyalty to the British crown at all. Like I don't, there's no, <laughs> There's no part That's of me that thing. thinks, because we yeah. fought a whole war about that and got, got that result. Yeah, yeah. So I know that we have listeners in the UK. We have listeners all over the yeah. Commonwealth who have a, a very personal relationship with this queen or royalty in general, and see it as a big part of their who they are for better or worse. And I just don't have any of those feelings. So I just watch it with the curiosity, like, oh, this is it did, nothing surprised me. They've been an institution around for 1200 years yeah and i think we were naive in thinking wow she's going to be great for royalty you know mm -hmm. she's really going to bring the monarchy into the modern age that's what everyone said like this is it they're going to embrace the fact that you know she is uh half black half white and like this is now going to be a global monarchy and isn't this great no no they were not interested in that i yeah. <laughs> There was yeah. not one piece of them that saw value in her at all in terms of bringing the monarchy into the 21st century. Apparently, they're fine where they are, and mm -hmm. uh, they're good. And then the other thing, though, I did, <laughs> did think, like, Megan is also guilty of just having this very American view of royalty based on Hollywood movies. Because yes. you know, Julie yeah. Andrews and Hector Elizondo did not come and teach her how to be a princess. I like. <laughs> She actually said that. I know. There are no lessons. Yeah, that was a movie. We yeah. all thought, but didn't, I mean, Liz, you've run a big business. It would seem crazy to bring someone on board at a very high level and not go through orientation with them. Onboarding, <laughs> right. needed an onboarding session without yeah. did. or two. I, I mean, that seems shocking. And the fact that like, Buckingham Palace has an HR department, but there's no, uh, there's no orientation. Employee orientation seems like a bad gig. So some of that, I thought, could she really have been that naive? But I think probably she, she hinted at the idea, like, I'm from LA, there are celebrities, but this is nothing like that. That that was like the closest thing she could have said to try to sum up that experience. But uh, as you said, Julie, I think four years of unrelenting racist coverage in the mm -hmm. press, you may feel like, and no one's defended you. No one from even, the Even defended today, you. you know, the Daily Mail, one of the British rags, the headline refers to Megan as a suicidal race victim. Is that- right. I, mean, I mean, that is just shocking. That they would characterize it as, as such. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I- You that, know, yeah. Lee and I have no loyalty to, um, 
the British crown either. And Julie, I've always been on board with the royalty is ridiculous thing. It's entertaining, right. uh, but it's ridiculous. My loyalty is to Diana, you know, and will always be. And so there was something just so heartbreaking about Harry talking about wanting to make, wanting to make sure that history did not repeat itself. And just also thinking about all of the trauma that Harry's been through his whole life and the scrutiny and just the weirdness of being in that family that really destroyed his mother, you know? Right. Literally, I mean, yeah. Yeah, destroyed his mother. So, you know, those two people married to each other, that's a very unique set of circumstances. And so I was... Uh, I was very happy in the end when he basically said, yeah, we're living off the money my mom gave me. I was like, okay, well, Diana gets a little bit of revenge. That actually, that actually made me smile, even though right. I know they're in a bad place. But, right. you know, Oprah referred to all grandmothers as queens, which I loved. Okay, <laughs> I love that. I'm going to adopt that. I'm going to have my grandchildren now just refer to me as Queen Julie. I like that. <laughs> But I, you know, and I think they went out of their way to show respect to the queen and talk about how yes. uh, welcoming she was. Um, I did think as a grandmother that just to have this turmoil, this to have all of, this is no matter who you are, where you are in your life and your station, if you're a grandmother, you don't want your family to be in flux like this. Mm -hmm. You don't want this kind of turmoil. And, um, and you know, it, that it must, we, it's hard for us, uh, you know, people where nobody's interested in what we're doing uh, to understand, uh, <laughs> right? right? To understand. Right. Right. Thank the goodness. Thank goodness. The scrutiny that Megan, uh, you know, Megan and Harry faced every single day, you know, mm -hmm. and to understand what that pressure is like, um, to understand how not having any support to fight back against the pressure must have felt uh, uh, to them. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I don't know where they go from here. I guess that's that's a, a big question I had at the end of the interview that, you know, they've laid down this marker, you know, that uh, today the Buckingham Palace said that they viewed the issue of racism as very serious and they are, you know, they are going to take that under consideration. Um, and, uh, but I don't know where these two go, you know, because mm -hmm. well, I, I mean, I, I feel like she wanted, they wanted to put out their side of the story and now they have to get to work on their some of their production deals and supporting their causes and and things like that i think they i think they go to work i think they have another baby and they go to work and mm -hmm. and I, I mean i think i think that's i think that's it i mean she is a working girl as she yeah. said since she worked at humphrey yogurt and oh my gosh that was the best that was so funny so endearing <laughs> At the frozen, I know how much you love frozen yogurt, Leanne. So much. I'm sure you've been to Humphrey Yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I just say on a lighter note, one thing that I thought was shocking slash hilarious is when, when she talked about meeting the queen for the first time and it was kind of impromptu and Harry's like, do you know how to curtsy? And she thought he was kidding. And then she had to have like the quick curtsy lesson. I mean, that 
is literally a scene from The Crown. Do you remember? When, she's like, I didn't know they did this behind the scenes. I knew they did this in public, but really, this is the way they behave with each other? Do you remember that scene in The Crown when Diana yes. walks into drinks in Buckingham Palace and she doesn't follow the protocol about who she addresses in what order and they're all super dismissive of her? Even Diana didn't realize like, oh, okay, this is what they do full time. This is not just a show for the people. This is actually how they behave with each other. That must be just a shocking revelation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought that one of the heartbreaking moments for me was when she was talking about how she was really willing to give up everything to do yeah. this. Like from, at least from that standpoint, she was prepared to do this because she thought the work was important. She thought her representation as a member of the British Commonwealth was important given her, you know, history and uh, her makeup, her racial makeup. And, and it, clearly it just wasn't like that. The fact that none of that was supported in any way with, mm -hmm any sort of education or process i just i find that shocking but mm -hmm. i i don't have reason to doubt it because we saw it with diana and right you know i mean <laughs> help a girl out like someone someone should have sat her down i just didn't understand that i didn't under, i don't understand what you had to lose to do that so it just made me think they never really wanted her to succeed yeah, yeah. They would have or if they wanted maybe her because to she was such a success. And it was funny how history repeats itself. Like Diana, when she went to Australia and sort of, um, uh, you know, was so successful, much more successful than Prince Charles, that I think when Harry and Meghan, when they talked about going to Australia and how that was kind of a turning point for, uh, you know, they just did too well on that uh, uh, tour, uh, that they, yeah. they got themselves too much attention and too much adoration, so. Yeah, you know, yesterday I went back to the, the 2018 interview we did with Tina Brown, where we asked her to give advice to Megan. And remember, Tina Brown wrote the Diana Chronicles. She knows this whole Windsor crowd really well and also understands just the British class system and all of that. And the number one thing Tina Brown said to us, like her number one piece of advice to Megan was, don't get too much publicity. Yeah. And, but there's, you know, you, th you see now what's happened in the ensuing years. Well, there's no way she could not. I right. mean, it just came at her. It's not like she was out seeking it, except when she was doing her job, which was go out in public. But when it was just heartbreaking, when she said someone told her, you have to like lay low. And she's like, I've only been out of the castle or whatever it is, the palace, you know, twice in the last four months. It just would have been impossible for her right. to be low profile enough for them to be satisfied with that. Right. It just I would have been that's, impossible. It's important because a lot of people were criticizing the interview saying they didn't have to do that. They were, there were other paths available for no. them. No, no. I, I, you know, having listened to that interview, I, I'm, I'm convinced that, you know, that maybe there weren't other paths available, that they couldn't just, as I said, go, you know, live in the English countryside and have a quiet life. That was, that was never going to be possible for yeah. them. Yeah. Well, they kind of tried that and they got the cold shoulder. Like, no, you know, mm -hmm. Megan said that job existed, like a not senior royal or whatever. Right. The people with real jobs and occasionally showing up to do some stuff, but that really wasn't an option for them. There were some eye-opening moments to that, for sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking back on that Tina Brown 
interview because she had said at the time, like, this is such a great opportunity to modernize the monarchy. Not interested. Yeah, <laughs> not yeah. interested. Just totally. Was, you know, we were so psyched that she was going to be our princess, our American I princess. And I, I think she is getting a lot of support um, from people. Uh, I hope she feels that support. But, um, but she wasn't, you know... She's, it's, she's going to, it's going to be a different path for them. You know, I hope it's more than podcasting and some Netflix series. <laughs> I really do. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I mean that. No, I think it's going to yeah. take them some time. They seemed really kind of shocked by some yes. of the turn of events and, mm -hmm. you know, especially with the pandemic and I mean, moving into Tyler Perry's house, what? And then, and then she lost the baby. Like, I think it will take them some time to get you know, their feet under them. I don't think this is going to become their brand complaining about. Yeah, know, no. Right. The, 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 I, I don't think so. I, I didn't get that sense that this is the long-term plan. So, um, so I, I have to say one thing though. So we, on the West coast, we didn't get it live. Right. Mm. Um, so we, I was on Twitter. Which is wrong. Can I say that's just wrong, but okay. CBS. Uh, so, but I was on Twitter and there were so many people who seemed totally shocked that Oprah Winfrey, Oprah Winfrey was doing a fine job at this interview. <laughs> and, and that kind of bias, that is so, yeah. it makes me crazy. I mean, Oprah Winfrey made a billion dollars doing interviews for 25 years. She right. is very good at it. And that's why she was rewarded with very loyal listeners and giant amounts of money. Like yeah. she's fantastic at this. How is it possible that people are still surprised that she's yeah. good at her job? Yeah. Liz, Julie, anyone? I, I, it's just, it's its own form of bias, Lee. And I think people who never watched the Oprah show assumed there's that afternoon TV thing. It's probably silly. It's just a bunch of ladies watching TV in the afternoon. There could be nothing there that is interesting or important. When anyone who was a viewer of the Oprah Winfrey show knew that she did a lot of things that were interesting and important. Right. And raised issues and had important conversations, even though it was four o'clock in the afternoon, you know, on broadcast television. And I think the fact that it was just, you know, women and that she's a black woman, it's just another form of like, wow, that's so surprising that she can, that she is this good. At, I was with you, Lee, and I could not believe the number of so-called journalists who were right. like, Look at her. Wow. She yeah. must have really prepped for this. Wow. She's Oprah Winfrey. What do you think? Oh, my I mean, God. Come on. You nailed people. it, Leanne. You nailed it when you said that, because that's exactly right. I mean, she's, she's the best of the best. And, uh, you know, either the journalists or whoever was writing that was just too young to have ever watched Oprah, you know, or watched her show, seen what a high quality um, product that was. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I like a couple today reviewing it, and they talked about how her experience when she was doing pieces for sixty minutes was not good, and she didn't like that because the producers at sixty minutes told her she was too emotional, even when she said her own name. Jeez. Oh, wow. for goodness sakes! Okay. I wondered what happened to that yeah. deal, the sixty yeah. minutes deal. Well, that, she doesn't need them. She does I mean, not need sixty minutes. I had him. I had him here first. Lance says, "You know, <laughs> Oprah, you don't need sixty minutes." That's Go. a that's another thing I haven't really paid attention to, and for twenty five minutes, sixty yeah. minutes. Uh, <laughs> no loyalty to sixty minutes either. <laughs> you know, I had a male colleague. Uh, two years ago, uh, mansplained Oprah to me. He had been in a room where she was there and he went off like, 
I can't believe how great she is. Like he just discovered Oprah. I'm like, it's Oprah. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. She's dynamic. She's unbelievable. Yes. She makes everyone in the room feel like they're talking to her. Yes, exactly. That's, that's why she's a billionaire. I, I mean, we are mediocre interviewers. We don't have anywhere near a billion dollars. <laughs> that's a good point too, Leanne. Yes. Yeah, thank you. All right. Um, that's it. I think that's it for the show. Seems that's like it. a full I show. I mean, if you haven't watched the interview, you, yeah. you better watch it because you, you need to have an opinion uh, about about the interview, right? Mm-hmm. I, think I mean, I had some emergency phone calls yesterday from friends. They just had to talk about it. They couldn't wait. They, didn't, they couldn't wait. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I thought it was worth it. Julie, like you, I was sort of dreading it because I didn't really, being the mom of two boys, like it just bums me out that the brothers don't have, a, I, I was worried that, right. that it was going right. to be sort of a curtains for that relationship. And I wouldn't say that's how it was framed. But so there was just something weirdly personal about it. But then once it got rolling, I was on board. Mm-hmm. Once I saw all the tweets about it, I was, <laughs> I was on board. <laughs> All right, we are taking next week off. I mean, we just have to recover from this. Oh my show. God, we are! I had totally forgotten. Yeah. Okay, good idea. It's our, again, you can when, show up, Liz, if you want. But <laughs> Sergio, Lena, and I—we're off. <laughs> when we did the schedule in August, we thought we would all be on spring break, but only yeah. Julie apparently can go on spring break. So, <laughs> that's okay. I'm not bitter. Uh, I'm not bitter. No. Doing I'm, a good job with that, Leanne. You didn't yep. sound bitter at all. Okay, good. Uh, all right. So that's it. We're off next week. And then when we come back, um, our cousin Hannah Kirshner is going to be on uh, from Japan. She's written a wonderful new book about living in a small village in Japan and learning all these ancient traditions from Japanese artisans. It's being published next week. And so that's what will be happening. We're actually going to have kind of a special travel show when we come back on the 23rd. So, uh, so stay tuned. And make sure you're subscribed to Pep Talk. Uh, that's our weekly newsletter. Liz, you did a good job on the fantasy vacation this week. Thank you, Leanne. Thank yep. you. Okay. So that comes out every Friday. You can go to satellitesisters.com and find uh, the subscribe to Pep Talk um, pop up. Will pop up when you arrive there. <laughs> uh, all right. We want to thank Sergio Enriquez for engineering the show. Thanks, Sergio. Have a great week off next week. Sergio, um, we'd also like to thank our sponsors for this week. Uh, our show is able to go on because our sponsors are here and because you support our sponsors. So thanks too to the Satellite Sisters listeners. All right. How about to-do lists? Um, Okay, here's mine. Katie Couric is guest hosting on Jeopardy this week. Uh, oh. So I didn't have a chance to tune into last night's, but I'm going to watch tonight. And she's using it as a, a chance to raise money for that charity stand up to cancer that she's been so involved in. So it's a win-win. Katie, she's the first woman to host it, and she's raising money for stand up to cancer. So I'll be watching Katie Couric on Jeopardy. Excellent. Okay. Liz, what's up with you? Well, this is another thing I've been sort of afraid to do, but I think I'm going to take the plunge. If you are a member of the Satellite Sisters Facebook group, you know that Nicole created a which sister are you quiz, right? (laughs) A like BuzzFeed style quiz. And many of you have taken it and you have been posting, are you a Leon? Are you a Sheila? Are you a Julie? Are you a Monica? Or are you a Liz? And I... I have not been brave enough to take it yet because I'm afraid I'm not going to be a Liz. Like, yeah. first, of all, first of all, I'm afraid at what are the attributes uh, attributed to Liz? 
outside of their spot. And what if it turns out I'm not a Liz? But anyway, Nicole, thank you for doing such a fun thing. And sooner or later this week, I'm going to try it myself. But if anyone else wants to try it, there it is posted in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. It looks really fun. I took it. I'm a Leon. So oh, that cute. was a relief. That, it's fun. I think, I think you... I think you'll be a Liz. Well, I don't know. Take the quiz and see. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Good. Let you, Liz, you take it and then I'll take it. That's okay. the way I'm operate. Okay, Jewel. <laughs> okay. Okay. On my to-do list, I've got to find some St. Patrick's Day cards. Okay. What happened? Is, is, it, is that holiday over? Are, are we not celebrating that anymore? <laughs> I mean, I know there are no parades and people aren't going to bars. I understand that. Mm -hmm. But how about some nice jolly green cards so you could mm -hmm. send to grandchildren for St. Patrick's Day. They're hard to find. Okay. Is it over? Can you tell me that? No, I, I hope it's not going the way of Thanksgiving, you know, it's just being yeah. plowed over by other, yeah. other yeah, holidays. Like, yeah, like Easter. Like it's so many bunnies out there, you yeah. know, but, but no, I just want a shamrock, you know, I just a nice a leprechaun. A leprechaun. Yeah, a little leprechauns. Yeah, yeah, just a touch. Yeah, okay. Sure. We we put up our St. Patrick's Day flag this weekend. We're okay. ready to go. We're, we're decorative. We all flag. need a little luck. We all need a touch of green. Okay. So don't let it die. Don't let this holiday die, please. Okay. Well, that'll keep you busy. All right, sisters, have a great week. You, you too, Leanne. And don't forget, call your satellite sister. <laughs>